Joshua chapter 14, we're reading from the verse number 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again, as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Amen. We know that God will bless His Word to our hearts. Let's seek the Lord for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word. Write it upon our hearts today as we consider this man, Caleb. We pray for the blessing of the Spirit of the living God. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. There were only two men who left Egypt who actually entered the Promised Land. And one of those men is very famous because he became the great leader, the successor of Moses, and that is Joshua. The other is not so well known. We have the name Caleb in just a few places in Scripture. But the few incidents in Scripture where Caleb is mentioned, they are enthralling. They are exhilarating. They are exciting because he was one of the most remarkable individuals of his day. He is an example of fortitude, an example of resolve. He was a man of immense determination, an inspiring example in his own day and an inspiring example for every generation. He was a man who, who gave it all. You will see in verse 8 of Joshua 14, he said, I wholly followed the Lord my God. That was his testimony. But it wasn't just words. This was how he lived his life. 
He was a man who gave 100% as far as Caleb was concerned, 100% for God or nothing. And that's how he lived. And that is how we should conduct our Christian lives as well. All for Jesus. Jesus is worth giving our whole lives for. And if we don't give all for Jesus, then we are holding something back. And that's not serving God. A hundred percent or nothing. That was the kind of man that Caleb was. His name is somewhat intriguing, the name Caleb. Sometimes we have names of Bible characters and we learn something about the name or the lesson from the name is very clear. Joshua means Savior. What a glorious name. Jehovah is my salvation. Jesus would have the very same name. Jesus in the Greek is Joshua in the Hebrew. What a glorious name. Caleb, the name's not quite so obvious in terms of meaning. It actually derives from a root word in the Hebrew meaning dog. And it leaves you wondering why would a parent ever call their child the name that means a dog? Especially, as in the yeast, dogs were not pets. They were creatures that were despised. It is highly unlikely, however, that that was what his parents had in mind whenever they gave him the name. Because the name is also associated with the idea of being forcible. And certainly that makes sense because he was a forcible kind of an individual. Such was his determination and resolve. And it is for that reason uh, some have taken the name to mean uh, that which is wholehearted. A person who was so forcible that their whole heart was in whatever they did. And perhaps that is the true meaning of the name Caleb. If that is the case, then it wholly suits the character of the individual. And Mr. Spurgeon actually, he, he thought of the name meaning dog, and he thought of dogs that are pets in our culture. And a dog will follow its master, follow its owner. And he could see the idea there that Caleb was one who followed the Lord with great devotion, for the Lord was his master. He wholly followed the Lord his God. And so let's just look at this man, Caleb, 100% or nothing, and see what we can learn and how we can be challenged and edified. In the first place, we have his commitment. He was a very committed individual. He was a prominent man within the tribe of Judah. If you turn with me over to Numbers chapter 13 now, we have the first mention of Caleb in Scripture. So the children of Israel have reached a place called Kadesh Barnea. They have been wandering in the wilderness for a very short time. In fact, they haven't been wandering at all. They've been on a journey to a certain place. And they stopped for a period around Sinai 
And now they're traveling on. They've come to the borders of the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the place that they were promised back in Egypt. And so they had arrived at this place. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And so there were spies to be sent into the promised land to, to map out the land, to prepare the way for the eventual conquest. And then you have the names of these spies. And in verse 6, you see of the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh. So he was a ruler in the tribe of Judah. And if you come with me now to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1, Of course, what happened at Kadesh Barnea was a disaster, and we'll think about that today. But in Deuteronomy 1, Joshua, uh, Moses, he, as the children of Israel, after the 40 years of wandering, and as that, old, as that whole generation who refused the promised land at Kadesh Barnea, as they all died off, they're, they're back again to the promised land. And Joshua, Moses is speaking to them, and and he's thinking about the history, and he's telling them what happened back there at Kadesh Barnea. Now, what uh, he, he said here, and what Moses had to say is, 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 very, is very interesting, because if you look at verse 9, uh, uh, well, if you look at verse 8, notice what he says in Deuteronomy 1. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them to their seed after them. And then you, you follow the, the passage uh, down uh, to verse 21. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land to bring us word again. By the way, we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. Now, Caleb was one of those men. We have to piece this story together using the two pieces of information we have. One is that God had said to the people, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. You're to go and take the land. And the people said, no, no, no. We'd rather send spies in first. That was the people's choice. It wasn't God's. And God then sometimes allows us to do what we really want to do, what we insist on doing, to teach us a lesson. He often does that. He did it with the children of Israel whenever they chose Saul to be their king. He wasn't God's anointed, really. David was, but God let them have their own way to teach them a lesson. God let the people have their own way. He let them have their choice of spies to take the land, and they would suffer for that. And whenever you come back to Numbers chapter 13, the men really that Moses appointed were men the people had picked, the head of every tribe. 
And ten of these men were disastrous, and only two were good. So out of the, the twelve men the people chose, out of democracy at work, they got it wrong. Totally and absolutely wrong. And only two were chosen which were good men. Caleb and Joshua. And what a man Caleb was. He was a good choice. You think of the tribe of Judah. It would be the tribe out of which Christ would come. He was the leader of that tribe at this pivotal moment in history. So he was a leader. Now, he went through the land with the other spies. He saw the land. He, he saw the, the fruits of the land as the others saw the fruits of the land. In fact, if you look at verse 23 of Numbers chapter 13, you will see they cut down a cluster of grapes. And it was so immense, it took two men to carry it on a staff. A cluster of grapes so large, it took two people to carry it. It was truly a fruitful land, as God had said. But yet, ten of the spies, they saw the cities. Great, powerful cities. They saw the soldiers in that city. They saw the weapons those cities had. They saw the people. They were numerous. They were a people that were strong and powerful. They saw the Anakim, the giants, because there were giants in the land in those days. The children of Anak were there. And actually, Goliath at a future day was this, one of the survivors of the Anakims. And ten of those striped spies came back, and they said, no, we can't take this land. It's too powerful. We'll, we'll never survive in this land. We're not as strong as the people. They saw only the, the cities, and they saw the, the, the protection of those cities. And they felt their own weakness and their own insufficiency. And they said, we'll never do it. And so there was a clamor. Because obviously you have ten tribes coming, ten spies coming back representing ten tribes, and you have these two spies representing two tribes. And, well, the majority were going with the majority report. And they said, we can't take the land. But Caleb, he believed absolutely and completely that the land was theirs for the taking. Such was his commitment to the cause of God. And Moses would say concerning Caleb in Numbers chapter 14 and the verse 24, My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whither whereinto he went, and a seed shall possess it. And of course, that word was given to Moses, but it was the word that came from God himself, God's assessment of Caleb. He had another spirit within him. He had a different kind of a spirit. And in Numbers chapter 1, verse 36, Moses would say, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. He will see the promised land. To him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Caleb was going to have a promise, an inheritance, because he gave himself 100% to the cause of God, wholehearted following of God. Why was Caleb so committed? Why? When others weren't, why was he so committed? because he believed God. He believed the promises 
of God. But ultimately, he had this commitment because he had a different kind of a spirit within him. He had God's spirit within him, and that gave him that commitment. If we are to achieve anything in life, we must be committed. We can't be half-hearted. We need to be whole-hearted. And you know that's true. You know that's true of education. If a young person wants to succeed in this world and, and achieve their potential, the potential God has given to them, well, they have to be all in. If you're going to start a business, you have to be all in. In your chosen career, you have to be all in. In terms of marriage, we have to be wholly committed to marriage. As parents, we have to be wholly committed as parents. And isn't it true that we have all these balancing commitments in our lives? So much calling for our attention, so much that we need to be committed to. But within all of these commitments, we must be committed to God, to His will, to His plan, to His purpose. And whether it is in education or career or business or marriage or parenting, God must be at the heart of it all, and we must be committed to Him, and we must bring all of this work and all of this effort and bring it up and do it in the light of His presence. And that's exactly what Caleb did. He saw the land before him, and he knew God would not forsake His people, and so he stood in the light of God's promises, and he did it for God, wholly committed to Him. Whatever we do in life must be for God wholly committed to Him. We think of the, the work of the church. A church will not survive unless people are committed, wholly committed, 100% committed, all in. That's why we believe in membership. Part of the reason why we believe in membership, it's, it's our commitment to the work. Uh, but when we are members, then we have a duty to exercise that commitment and be fully committed, whether it's the prayer meeting or the Sunday services, being there with God's people in God's house, supporting God's work, supporting God's work with our time, supporting God's work with our money as well, with our, with our tithes, with our offerings. Commitment. If God's people aren't committed, there won't be a church here in the future. There'll be nothing to pass on to the next generation. So commitment is so important. Wholehearted commitment. You know, there was nothing half-hearted about this man. We can say we're committed with our lips, but the commitment's not there in our actions. We need to be wholly committed to the work of God, but to Jesus Himself. And so, that's the first thing we see here. We see commitment. Let's also look at this courage. Caleb was a very courageous individual. You come back to Numbers chapter 13 and the verse 30. Now, we know two spies came back and they brought a good report. But one spy spoke up, and it wasn't Joshua, and that might surprise you. It wasn't Joshua. Why Joshua didn't speak up initially, we do not know. He spoke up later. He didn't speak up initially. Was it because he was too close to Moses, and he would have been seen as taking Moses' side anyway? We don't know. Perhaps it was because Caleb was the older man. Caleb was the older man at this time. But whenever the people were gathering against Moses and Aaron, we're told in verse 30 of Numbers 13, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That took tremendous courage. 
one man to stand with Moses and to say to the people, we can go and overcome it. Don't listen to these ten spies. And the courage became even greater whenever you come to the next chapter. Because in the next chapter, you will notice in verse 10, the congregation were going to stone them with stones. That means they were going to stone Moses and Aaron. They were also going to stone Joshua and Caleb. So they risked their lives here. And Joshua stood with Caleb here. And we're told in, in verse 6, Joshua and Caleb, they rent their clothes. They were so grieved because this was an attack on God. They rent their clothes. Men of great passion. Men who saw sin. They realized what the sin was doing. They rent their clothes. And they pleaded with the people not to rebel against the Lord in verse 9. But the congregation still were about to stone them. You see, if we're committed, we're going to have courage. Wholehearted commitment means that we believe in God, we believe God's Word, we believe the principles of God's Word, and we're going to have the courage to stand with God. We're living in days when Christianity seems to be in the minority. We're living in days when there's a tide of evil that's threatening to overcome us. But will we be carried away with that, tribe of, with that tide of evil? Will we water down our principles, water down our beliefs, water down our convictions, so that everything that we stand for will become more palatable to the world? Or will we say, no, we're going to walk on the old path, stand by the old principles, going to have the courage to stand alone? We need that kind of courage. Of course, Caleb had another heart, and that's where it comes from. If we have God's Spirit within us, we'll have that other heart. We'll have that courage. We'll have that conviction to be in the minority, if indeed we're called to be in the minority. You know, the unbelieving spies, they only saw the problem. It's great cities, high walls, tall giants. That's all they saw. But Caleb and Joshua, they saw an invisible God. They saw a God who was greater than the enemy, greater than the foe. The walls were high, but God was higher. The giants were strong, but God was stronger. That was their attitude. You see, faith is a very reasonable thing. Faith looks to God first, then looks to the problems. And the problem seems so small in the light of the living God. And so they were able to say, let us go and overcome this land. Let us go and smite the enemy because God is with us and God is for us. And we need that spirit, brethren and sisters. Believing that truth will always prevail. See, everything that's going on in society today, it'll never last. It'll never last. The LGBTQ lobby, it'll never last. They're bringing destruction and disaster upon our land and upon our society. It'll be undermined one day. They're building paper castles. And it'll go up in smoke. Wherever we stand for God, Christ says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ's church has stood for 2,000 years and it'll stand for another 2,000 years if God hasn't come. For His truth will always go marching on. And so we need to believe that with all of our hearts. Consistency. Caleb was a very consistent man. You come to Joshua chapter 14. 
Forty-five years have passed by since Kadesh Barnea. Caleb is now an old man. He's now an old man. But he sees a piece of territory that he feels needs to be conquered. It's a mountain. It's Hebron. But the Anakims are there. The giants are there. Fierce, warlike people. It was a tough place to capture. It had been left alone for obvious reasons. But Caleb, he wants to seize it. Even at this old age, he's still ready for war. He says in verse 11, As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. He was still the same man, standing by the same principles, standing on the same ground that he stood 45 years earlier. He had not changed. We need this kind of consistency in our lives. Not to move, not to shift, but to continue on. Standing on the same ground we occupy today in 10 years now or 20 years from now. Not changing. The only way we need to change is to become more conformed to Christ. Yes, we need that change. We need that kind of change. But where God's Word is concerned, where the truth of God's Word is concerned, we must stand thereon. But you think of the spirit of this man's heart. He said he had wholly followed the Lord. In verse 8, 45 years earlier, he said, I had wholly followed the Lord. And now in verse 10, he says, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. The reason why I'm here is because God has kept me alive. He realized he was a debtor to God. God had kept him alive. Why? For service, for living for him. You see, we need young people to follow God, but we also need older people to follow God. And we need older people to be examples to the younger people. And we need younger people to help the older people carry the burdens of the work. That we might follow God together. And Caleb here was a, an old man, an octogenarian as we would say. But yet he was still consistent in his walk with God. He hadn't sat back on his laurels thinking, Oh, the young men, let them take this territory. No, I'm taking the lead. I'm going ahead. But yet he was going to do it in God's way, in God's time. Because he asked permission. He asked Joshua to give him the mountain. He would not go ahead until he got the blessing from the leader. So it wasn't the idea of rushing on and doing his own thing. No, he was following the pattern for leadership. We always need to remember that. God has given a structure in the church, leadership. We act with the leadership. We work along with the leadership. We don't just go and do our own thing whenever we feel like. Otherwise, things become pandemonium. Caleb was a disciplined man. Not only that, but he knew he could only take this mountain if the Lord helped him to, give, to, to take the mountain. He talks here about trusting, trusting the Lord and, and leaning upon the Lord and the Lord's presence being with him as he would occupy and take the mountain. You see that in verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for they heard us in that day, how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall drive them out. I will only take this land if the Lord drives out the enemy. You know, whatever we do for the Lord, it will only be because God helps us. 
will not be because of us. There needs to be that reliance upon the Lord. But there's one final thought about this man's consistency. His last mention in Scripture is in the very start of the days of the judges, after Joshua has died. And the insight here is that Caleb was the last man who saw Egypt to live. All that generation had now gone. But he had a burden. The burden was that the work would go on, the work would continue, and that there would be younger people there to carry on the work, and he would influence that, he would mold that. And you look at verse 12 of Joshua 1, and Caleb said, He that smiteth carjath sephir, and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. So give a challenge. Here's a place called Kurjath Sefer. It's not part of our inheritance. We haven't taken it yet. The person that takes it, he says, I'll, I'll give him Aksa, my daughter, to wife. And one man rose to the challenge, his nephew, actually, Aksa's cousin, Othniel, the son of Kenaz. You see, they were of a certain breed, these people. And he took this territory, and he got Aksa to wife. But not only that, but Aksa had something of her father's spirit, because in verse 14, she asked of her father a field. And she said to him in verse 15, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. You give me the land, but I need the springs of water so that the flocks and herds might be watered. You see that? She wanted more. But she was also very practical. She wanted the springs of water. And she certainly had something of her father's spirit, her father's desire to see God's work continue. And Caleb had given her that, and he inculcated that into her heart, and into her spirit, into her nature. And as Caleb died, here was a marriage, a marriage that would go on to lead Israel, and Othniel actually became the first of the judges. And so you see Caleb's deep influence upon the nation, upon a future generation. You think of our influences. You think of our indirect influences. I wonder how many people there were who heard Caleb speaking. Give me this mountain. They thought, there's a man. If that old man can seek to do something for God, then I can do as well. You see, we all have a duty to influence others. And are we influencing others by saying the wrong things or speaking things shouldn't come out of our mouths and we're leading others the wrong way? Or are we, by our commitment and example, leading others to follow God? That was Caleb's work. That was his role. And may God give us a similar role likewise. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we think of this man who wholly followed the Lord. A man who gave you all of his heart and he didn't hold back. Generation after generation, he was there. Decade after decade. Passing something on to the future generation. People who met Caleb never forgot. He wholly followed the Lord. Give us that kind of a spirit too. That God's work will continue from one generation to the next. Lord, we pray that you be with us now. As the meeting comes to a close, for Christ's sake.